Lord, you're here to transform us, to mold us and make us more like Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there is anything within us that is not from you, any chain that is holding us down by the power, by the name of Jesus, break that chain within us right now. Lord, that we may be the people you have called us to be, free in you, redeemed by you, saved by you, made complete by you, welcomed into the courts of heaven by you, saved by you. Lord Jesus, you have done everything for us. Break those chains within us. All the things that hold us back, the fears, the doubts. Lord, remove them. That we may stand in confidence before you. Not in anything in ourselves, but in what you have done in us and through us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We ask that you would speak to us now through your word. And Lord, speak to the young people as they go for Sunday streams. Bless them. Speak to them. Encourage them, we pray. Help us to draw nearer and closer to you. Reveal yourself to us, for we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. time ago in a land far, far away in 2016, we started looking together into the book of Ephesians. And then Christmas came and went and New Year's, and we're going to look again at one of the most misused and abused passages of Scripture that I think I've ever come across. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. The, uh, the words will be up on the screen in a moment. I don't know how many times I've sat in the vestry or I've talked over a cup of coffee with someone. Woman sitting there saying, I want a divorce, pastor, from my husband. Because my life at home, he makes me feel like a slave. And I'm fed up with it. Or I've had men come to me and say, pastor, you've got to do something. The Bible says that my wife has to submit, has to do what I tell her. And she's not doing what I'm telling her. And the Bible says so. Go sort her out. How many times have you heard, maybe it's been spoken to you, wife, submit to your husband. Because that's what the Bible says, isn't it? Well, let's look at it today. And let's reveal to us, Lord, what you truly mean, what you're truly saying. Because marriage today is under attack like it's never been before. We need godly marriages. We need it. Our country needs it. The world needs it. And what happens is, and what's happened is that we've looked People have looked to all kinds of different places to find out how you have a godly marriage. 
except the one place where it tells what we should do, the Word of God. And people have used it and abused it and taken it out of context and twisted it for their own ends. And therefore, people have thrown it away. And this goes for all kind of relationships. Today, I'm going to talk particularly to husbands and to wives. But as I do so, I want to talk to everybody. I want to talk to the young people here. I asked Andrea that you stay in today because I want you to listen to this. Because when you are looking for a husband or a wife later in life, this today is what you need to think about. Even when you're looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, look for the qualities that the Word of God says you should look for. And if that guy doesn't have those kind of qualities, he's not worth your time. Just ignore him. He might be good looking, he might drive a flashy car. But trust me, he'll get you into trouble. I'm not sure I'm going to podcast this later. We'll see how it goes. But turn in your Bibles to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. And this passage begins at verse 21. Now here in Ephesians, God has been, or, or Paul has been explaining to us about what we need to be like. Remember last time we looked at it, Ephesians 5, verse 1, be imitators of God. And we kind of unpacked that before Christmas, that those are probably the the four hardest words in the whole of Scripture. Be imitators of God. And he explains how we are to be imitators of God. And he carries on that discussion now with some specifics. And here he then says, this is how you're to be an imitator of God as a wife or as a husband. This is how in chapter 6, as a child or as a parent, this is how you're to be an imitator of God as a slave or as a master in their context. But today we're going to look at husbands and wives. This is how we are to be imitators of God. Verse 21, it says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now that is everybody. We are all to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, the big word there is submit, isn't it? What does it mean to submit to one another? Turn to the person next to you and say, I submit to you. Go on. You know, Jenny said it's about time, Tim, I tell you. No. <laughs> Finally, he's got it. Because it says we are to submit to one another. Now, do you know what you've just promised? What does that mean? You don't know. You've just signed away your life to someone else, and you do not even know what it means. Now, submit means, it really is a military term, right? It means to put someone, someone is a higher rank than you are. You're a captain, they're a colonel, Right? So it really means when you submit to one another, you're recognizing that they're of higher ranking than you are. Okay, just like in the army. But like, so I have to submit to Luciana, he's of higher rank to me, but he has to submit to me too. Right? So we're both elevating one another. That is the relationship that we have. What does it say in Philippians chapter 2? Do you remember the song? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, 
who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But what did he do? He made himself nothing. That's what it means to submit. He said, I, even though I've got this status, this position, I am going to give that up and become nothing so that you might be someone. I'm going to denigrate myself, pull myself down so that you can be elevated up. That's what it means to submit, to put under rank. And the question is then, how as a husband and as a wife do we submit to one another? You know, these men that say, my wife has to submit to me, they don't know their Bibles. Because verse 21, the whole section begins, submit to one another. I submit myself to my wife, Enika. She submits herself to me, right? The Bible says, I have to submit myself to Mike. Mike submits himself to me. And so we do that to one another. And then specifically, he goes on to describe how it's played out between husbands and wives. Now, there's two things before we start this. How we do that to different people is different. How I submit myself to my wife is different how I submit myself to someone else, to Luciano, right? How we do it depends on the context. And also know this, that our worth is not about our identity or our role, of role. We are all worth exactly the same. We are all sinners saved by grace, right? Correct? You with me? We're all the same. All of us come before the cross of Jesus Christ, and we are all sinners. We all need salvation. Am I more important to God than you? No. Are you more important to God than me? No. We're equally, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. We're all exactly, of exactly the same worth. So this is nothing to do with your worth before God. This is about how we submit to one another and what it looks like as a husband and wife. Now the second thing you need to do is as we read this passage, you need, if you are a husband or a wife, to focus on what is said about you not what is said about the other person. If you go home today as a man, as a husband, and say to your wife, do you hear what David said about you? I give permission for your wife to get the biggest encyclopedic tome and wallop you over the head. And if you as a wife goes home and says, do you hear what he said about what you should be like? How come you're not like he said? You have permission to go and do the same thing, right? Listen to what is said about you, not what is said about your partner, okay? Deal? Deal. I didn't hear a yes. Okay. Now, I want you to do something before we start. I want all the men to sit on this side and all the women to sit on this side, You can kiss your spouse goodbye as you move across. 
Okay. So right, I see a rogue woman on the man's site. She's moving. That's good. Okay. Cool. I remember once I was in a church in, in Africa, got there a bit late, service had already started, and I went in, just got into the back, sat down, and uh, everybody looked around and started smiling at me all the way through, and I thought, well, what's going on? And uh, I'm sitting there, and they just kept looking around at me, smiling, I thought, maybe it's just because I'm the only white person in the whole church, it's just a village, black church of, you know, Ugandans, and I'm just, and they're just sort of welcoming me or something, I don't know, but I'm sitting there, and I'm just worshiping away and they're, they're going on. And then I suddenly realized it dawned on me about two thirds of the way through the service. I was sitting on the women's side of the church. And so when they had the offering, they all came out the front. I kind of came up and I went back and I sat with the men on there. And all the women just went like this like, right, we're not going to do this for always. This is just for today. Because I'm going to talk first to the men. That's okay. So you guys, if you want to get your mobiles out, text, do what you like, it's fine, okay? You're not listening to this, all right? You, can, you got permission now. Read a book, do what you like. Right. It says this. In fact, let's just read the whole thing all together. Let's, let's read it right from the beginning. It says, submit to it. Let's all read it out loud. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does for the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Simple, eh? Let's go. Men, husbands. Now the key is in verse 25. It says, love as Christ loves. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So the question to us then as husbands, as men, is how should we love? How do we love our wives? Well, if we go back into verse 23, first of all, we love as the head. It says in the bit about the wives, it says, we are the head 
of the wife, says it a couple of times. Now, what does that mean? Well, the head is talking about the source. It goes back to Genesis, doesn't it? The story in Genesis, what happens? Adam is there. Talking to you guys, I'm ignoring him. Adam is there, right? What happens? It's not good, God says, for you to be alone. So what do you need to do? So you took a rib out, right? Loads of jokes about that. We're not even going to go there, right? Takes a rib out and makes Eve and then bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and so on. A helper. Just an aside, women don't listen to this. Aside, helper is the same word that is used for God helping us, right? In the, in the Hebrew. A helper in the Bible is somebody who is stronger. Yesterday, my car broke down. Again, because I didn't bother to change the battery last time, just before Christmas when it broke down, Right? So what do you have to do? I called the AA, who was a helper, who was better than me at fixing the car. When it talks about the wife being a helper, it talks about her in the same language as God helping us. It's about someone who is stronger, more capable, who can come and do what you cannot do, right? So don't ever use, they better not be listening to this, but don't ever use the word helper thinking it means a servant or anything like that. It means someone who's stronger that can do the things you can't do. That's what that word means in, in the Hebrew, which is why it's used of God. But anyway, that's an aside. So we're the, the head, the source, which means that we are there, we have the responsibility that has been given to us by God as the head, just as Christ is the head of the church, we are the head in the home which means that we are responsible. We have a responsibility that has been given by God. Now, what is that responsibility? Well, as Christ's responsibility for the church, Christ is here to build the church up. Christ pours himself into us, doesn't he? To build us up as individuals, to build us up, to make us strong, to make us holy, to make us more like himself. And in the same way, we have that same responsibility as the head, to be there to use that responsibility to build up our partner. So when we make decisions, the decisions we make are not what I want, it's what is best for my wife, right? What is best that's going to build her up and nurture her and help her to grow? What is best for her and for us together? In the same way, when God makes decisions about his church, he's here wanting to nurture us and help us to grow. He wants us to be the best that we can be. He wants us to, to be the pinnacle church. He wants Trinity to be the best church that has ever been. And Christ, through his Holy Spirit, works for that in you and in me, and in the same way, we can be a channel of God's grace, a channel of his power to, to build up our partners, our spouses. You see, it's just like in, in 1 Peter, it talks about the pastor's role. Let me read this to you. 1 Peter chapter 5 says this. To the elders among you, that's not the old people, that's those in the church, I appeal as a fellow elder a witness of Christ's suffering and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Then he says this, not greedy for money, 
but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but by being examples to the flock. And then when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory, which will never fade away. That's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. I have a responsibility. I have a role here. I'm the pastor of the church. I have authority in that role. Now, I can use that authority in a number of different ways. But the Bible says I'm to use the authority, the position that God has given me here to serve the church. I am here to be a servant to the people that are here. If you're in a church, if you go to a church and the pastor there is lording it over everybody else, swanning around in a three-piece suit, getting everybody to serve them, they're not doing what, they're abusing the position that God has given them. Because God says, as an overseer, as a shepherd, you're there to serve the people entrusted to you. They're not there to serve you. And so, in the same way, the headship business is about a position where we are to serve the marriage. Just in the same way that Christ serves the church. So the question out of that is this. What is the best, in every decision that I make, what is the best thing for my wife. That's the decision. That's what you need to ask yourself. What is the best for my wife in the decision in this thing, right? Second thing, he says in verse 23, same thing, as Savior, in the middle there, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Christ sacrificed himself, He gave up his agenda. He gave up his life. He gave up everything to show us what it means to love. 1 John chapter 4. We love because he first loved us. How do we know what love is? God sent his son to die for us. That's what love. Greater love has no one that he laid down his life for a friend. And so as a husband, our role is similar. We can't save them in the same way that Christ saves us, but we are there to be channels and to show them truly what that kind of giving love is all about. You see, one of the problems today in our world is that love has been twisted. In the Bible, love is all about giving. We are about being channels of God's love to someone else. But in our world today, it's all about taking. Oh yeah, I love... So and so, you know, James Bond films. How much giving kind of love do you see in a James Bond film? About this much. But he has a string of women on his arms, supposedly, you know, so great at loving and all this kind of thing. That's not love at all. That's just an abuse, isn't it? Love in the scriptures is about giving, and we are to be, just like Christ, channels of that love into our wives. Third thing he says is this, as a giver in verse 25, you go down, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. We have to give. So the first question you ask yourself is, what's the best thing in the decisions for my wife? Secondly, how can I show her more love today than I showed her yesterday? How can I show her more love this week than I showed her last week? Third thing as a giver, what do you spend all your money on? What do you spend your time 
and your energy on? Where are you investing yourself in life? Now, there's certain things we have to do. We've got jobs we have to do and all these other things. But the reality is where you've got that chance to invest, where are you investing it? Are you investing it in the things that you like or in the things of your partner? Are you investing it in football? Because you like football. I heard a laughter over there. I don't know quite why because, you know, they're not listening. You invest in it in, you know, look at your bank account. Where are you spending your money? You invested in flashy cars and all these other things. Where are you investing yourself? You know, when I came to this church, I said at my interview here, I said, I have a priority in my life that I try and keep. God first, my wife second, my children third, and the church will come forth. And I said to Trinity Church at that interview, I said, if you, don't, if you can't handle that, then I'm not the right person for this church. And if I have to make a decision in life, it will be based on that hierarchy. God first, my wife second, my children third, and the church will come forth. Because I, because I first, I became a believer in Jesus Christ. Secondly, God gifted me with my wife and my wife with me, and we entered into a covenant relationship. Thirdly, he gave us children. Fourthly, he said, become a pastor. And so it stays in that order because the primary responsibility that I have, I'd rather stand before God at the end of time and God to say to me, you're a great husband and a really lousy pastor than you're a great pastor and a lousy husband. I would much rather that. And so my responsibility is as the giver. Just as Christ gave himself, he gave his life, but he gave more than just the death on the cross. He gave his life in preparation, in ministry, in the Bible, in everything for us. And he continues to give to us through his spirit. So we need to give. Where are you investing? Look in your diary and see where your priorities are. Where are you investing time? Where are you investing yourself? And your third question to ask is, how can you invest more energy, more time in your relationship with your wife? You want to be a husband that God wants you to be? That needs to be a priority in your life. Fourth thing is this in verse 26. It's about being a cleanser and a sanctifier. Christ invested himself to make the church holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. Christ does whatever he can do through his spirit to one stand alongside us, but also to help us to grow. He helps us, doesn't he, overcome the challenges of life. The Spirit is there. There is power in the name of Jesus. Why? It's not just out there, but it's available for you and for me in our lives. We have that access to the power of God to help us to grow, to grow strong in Him. He's there forgiving us and picking us up and carrying us further forward. 
He's there to support us and encourage us along every step of the journey. And as a godly husband, that's what we need to do with our wives. Be there to support and encourage them and lift them up and nurture them and help them to be the best that they can be in Jesus Christ. That is your role as a husband. That is what the Bible says we are to be like. Just as Christ does that for his church, so we have to do that. We are there, have that privilege to do that, help them to grow. I think God's going to ask me when I stand before him. It's not going to just, you know, my responsibility is partly to the church, partly to my wife first. And depending on how she, you know, what, how she grows and develops, and that's my responsibility. Yes, it's God's, but it's not just God's alone. He's placed me in her life to be a channel by which that can happen. How is she growing? How am I supporting her with everything that I have? And the last thing for us is this. He says in verse 29, we go down to the the next screen. In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and they care for their body. How many of you had breakfast this morning? Yeah? I don't know why they put their hands up. They're not listening, you know? We have breakfast. We care for our body. You didn't come to church without having a wash, I hope, right? You know, you wash, you shower, you look after yourself, you slept last night. You care for yourself. In the same way, we have to, we, we have that responsibility, that privilege to care for our wives. To feed and care for them spiritually and practically. You know, your wife's spiritual health is your responsibility. You know that. Her spiritual health is your responsibility. He has placed us in that role. You see, a lot of men want to be the head without any of the responsibilities. A lot of people love titles without the responsibilities that come with it. They love to have the name thing on the door. Reverend Dr. David Varco, you know, priest, all this kind of stuff, you know, archbishop. Just give me the title, but don't give me any of the responsibility because that's hard work. And in the same way, You know, number of men. Oh, yeah, I'm the head. You're not acting like it. You want the title, but you don't want the responsibility that goes with it. We have the responsibility for the role that God has given to us. And that means we have the spiritual responsibility for our wives. My role is to help Inika to grow spiritually, to encourage her. I can't make her grow. Can't sit it down and say, you're going to grow today. Sit, read, right? Rubbish. But I'm there to nurture and encourage her and help her to grow any way I can. That is my responsibility in Christ. That is what he has asked me to do. This is how we submit to our wives. Those five questions. What is the best in every decision I make for my wife? How can I show her love in a more practical way day by day? How can I invest more and more in the relationship? How can I support her? And how 
can I help her to grow? Now, if you take that seriously, that is a full-time role. Forget work, you haven't got time for that. Forget hobbies and any kind of life outside of that. That is a full-time role. You haven't got time to worry about whether she's submitting to you or not submitting to you and all that other stuff, right? You haven't got time to read the first little passage of that. Because if you are serious about doing this, if you are serious about being the best kind of husband that you can be, then that will take all your time, your thought, your energy, your focus to do that. Trust me. I'm not very good at it, but I'm, I'm trying. You know, and I've been doing it for 30 years. Well, 20-something years, because the first couple of years I didn't really know what I was doing. But I've been trying, right, to do this. As I read this, I try over and over again. That takes all my time and energy. Because everything I'm going through in my mind, what can I do? How can I do it? You wake up in the morning. How can I show love to my wife? Let me go get her a cup of tea in bed. Maybe breakfast in bed. Not because she's asked for it, not because it's expected, but because I want to show her love. You go in the shops and you go, how can I show her love? Well, one, let me do the shopping. Second, you clean up your socks in practical ways. Why? Because you have to? No, because she's nagging you? No, because you know it irritates her, therefore you pick them up. Because that's showing love. You do things in a practical way because love is the motivation. Because these things about being a husband is the motivation. Because you want the best for her. And that is constantly in your mind. What can I do to show her, to demonstrate to her what it means to be a godly father, a godly husband? Let's leave father for another one. That's even worse. Got it? One person's got it. That's good. And as I said to you earlier, if you're a woman, if you're a young woman, and you're looking for a husband, look for those qualities. Look for them in the guy. Because that is who you want to have as your partner. Trust me. Somebody that has that kind of heart that wants to invest. Now let's get on to the second part of this. Go to sleep. Wives, it says, go back up. There you go. No, there. Submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, the, the question is, what does that really mean? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. I was once went for a, uh, it was actually uh, to go meet someone because they, they were in charge of this grant and uh, I wanted to access this money. So the guy said, come round to my house uh, of an evening and we'll talk about it. So I went round there and I was sitting there, very nice house, was in a very nice little cul-de-sac, very pleasant, nice Trees outside, whole works. Beautiful. And I was sitting there chatting to him in these beautiful armchairs and everything else. I was feeling a bit out of place, to be honest, but very, very nice. And then we, we were chatting and got things sorted, and he seemed like he could help. And then he said to me, uh, David, would you like some tea? 
Oh, I know, that would be very nice. Thank you very much. Uh, oh, great, of course. Um, so uh, he then picked up this little bell and he went ding, ling, ling, like this. And I went, what's going on? Like, then his wife came toddling in with, a, with an apron and the whole works, said, yes, dear. He said, uh, we're ready for our tea now, dear. Very good, she said. And I'm sitting there and on my jaw, I'm kind of like, what's going on? She disappeared off. And then 10 minutes later came back with the silver tray, with the little teacups and the French fancies, of course, you know, and, and, and put it down. And he saw my face when, when she'd left that was slightly aghast. And he said, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry about that, uh, about the little bell thing. I said, oh, I didn't know quite what I said. I needed the money. So uh, I, I was trying to be polite. He said, yes, the bell pull that we used to have that used to go straight through to the kitchen and ring doesn't work anymore and we can't figure out how to fix it. And she comes back with the tea set, lays it all out. I said, "Uh, are you going to join us? No, 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 no. She said, no. And off she went off to carry on with her work. That is not what that means. I hope you were listening to that. That is not what it means. What does it mean to submit? Well, as I said earlier, submission means you put somebody in a higher rank above you. But you do that because you know, just in the same way Christ is the Christ of the church. Why do we submit to Christ? You know, one of the things, one of the key reasons I think why churches are not growing is because of this. Not because of wives, by the way. But because they don't submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. How many meetings that I spend my life going to, which is all about what we want, and they never stop to ask what Jesus Christ wants with his church. I'd pull my hair out if I had any left. Because they just sit there and go, we should do this, we should do it. I go, have you prayed about it? Have you really asked what Christ wants? Now why? Why does that make a difference? Because if you submit to the Lordship of Christ as a church, then you get the blessing of Christ come through, right? In the same way, it says, your role as a wife is, is to receive... Submit, that's what it means, to receive what I've just been talking about. Yeah? So, do you see how it works together? So the husband's role there is to spend his life nurturing and encouraging and pouring his love into you. Now what happens if you don't receive it? Well, he's going to give up pretty quick and go back to football or something. Right? And it's, and it's not reciprocated either. And so the Bible says the roles, do you see how they mesh together? So the husband's role is there to give, to pour in, just as Christ does. What, do, what happens to the church when Christ tries to pour his spirit into it? And we say, no, we've got our own agenda, thank you very much. Churches die. Christ doesn't get past the front door. 
because we're going, no, 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 we're, we're too busy arguing about the color of paintwork in here, thank you very much. We're very serious, serious, you know. What kind of carpet shall we have and all these other things that churches spend their time? Let's, let's argue about, you know, the division in the church or about theological differences and this, that, and the other. And Jesus says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking, Revelation 3.20. Are you going to let me in? And we're going, no, no, we're way too busy discussing about important things. And Christ eventually moves on. You want to see why the churches are dying in the United Kingdom? Many of them. Because Jesus has been standing there knocking for so long. And nobody's ever let him in. And in the same way, when a husband is pouring out his life. When he has you as the center of the focus. You need to receive it. And by receiving it, it becomes a reciprocal thing. It flows around in the relationship. You see, the the submission is not about a rulership issue. Christ never, ever demands stuff of us, does he? He offers. Christ never says, you will become a Christian. Claire, you're going to become a Christian. Claire, you're going to do this today. Claire, you're going to do this. And you 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 have no voice in the matter. No. Jesus stands there and he asks. He respects you. He, he asks you, Claire, would you like to come and follow me? Rich young ruler. Come, sell all your possessions. Come, follow me. He says, I can't do that. Jesus said, okay. Then you have to go your own way. Do you see what it's saying? We always have that opportunity. We have that choice. And in the same way, here, you always have a choice. That's why I said, if some guy comes to you and says, the Bible says this, poof. Right? Then know what he's talking about. The Bible never says that. Ever. Because the Bible gives you choice. It's your choice whether you want to receive or not receive. It's voluntary. But you don't get the blessing if you don't receive it. And the thing is then we have to trust. We trust in the nature. We trust in the character. And this is the hardest thing is to trust. You know, when Pastor Jerome was here that Sunday evening, I think I've told some of you, but Pastor Jerome was here, and I knew, I I don't normally do this, but I knew that I had to ask him to pray for myself and my wife. So I don't normally do that because I don't like being out the front and anyways. So I asked him, I said, Pastor Jerome, if the Spirit lets you, will you pray for me and my wife? And he said, sure. And then he carried on with the evening meeting, and I thought I got away with it, because it was right near the end. And then he said, David, now's your time. Now's the time. So I come up the front, and I'm standing right here. And he prays over myself for my wife. And as soon as he prays for us, I don't know what happened, but I started to go backwards and fall down. Like just, I was just like, I can't even describe the feeling. But there was a moment there where I... I had this fight inside which said, David, do you trust me or do you not trust me? Do you trust me? And it was like God speaking to me saying, do you trust me enough just to go? I didn't know if anybody's going to catch me or not. I didn't know if I was just going to fall flat on my back on the floor and end up in A&E. I had no idea. But I started to like float 
And there was that moment where myself was going, hey, hang on a minute, this doesn't feel right, this doesn't feel normal, I'm going off of the ground, what's going on? And there was this moment in my head where it was like, do you trust me, do you not trust me? Are you going to stay standing? Or are you going to let me just do what I want to do in your life? And in the same way, we have that opportunity with Christ to trust and with our husbands to trust too. God never forces his church, he invites. The choice is always yours. But submission means allowing your husband to do all the things that we've spoken about and releasing yourself to receive those so that they can be reciprocated back again. Now, this is not easy. You think back to the story of Genesis. Let me talk to all of you now. In the story of Genesis and the fall, what happens? Eve says, I don't need Aaron to be the leader of me. I can make my own decisions, thank you very much. That apple looks really tasty. It's a golden delicious. So let me eat it. And Eve, in the story, takes the apple and takes the leadership role and eats. What does Adam do? Pretty much zip. He was in the leadership role. God spoke to Adam. He was in that role as husband. And his responsibility was to nurture, protect, look after his wife. He failed miserably. He didn't even, there's no even account in the story that he even told his wife, you're not supposed to eat the apple. What a useless individual, right? God gave him that responsibility. He did nothing about it. You see what's happened? In the story, right at the very start, what happens? Eve says, I want the position of the husband. And Adam says, I don't really want this position at all. Kind of freaks me out, to be honest. Let me just forget about it. There's a complete role reversal in the story. What do we see in the world today? Women saying, I want to make all the decisions, thank you very much. I don't, I don't want my husband to make all that. I don't, want, I don't want this. And what do we see men going? I don't want this responsibility. It's too much for me. Let me just go play football or just play on my PlayStation or do something else because I don't really want the response. You, you make the decisions. You make the decisions. I don't really want the decisions. This is too much. How many households? I've been in households and it's almost as though the woman's sitting there with a the little bell and the man's running around with a silver tray and everything, right? You've been there too. You've seen it. There's a reversal of the right roles. And you see these roles... There's not one who's worth any more than we're all worth the same under Christ. But there are different roles that he's given to a husband and a wife. There is a different channel by which the Spirit of God flows into that relationship. We are not supposed to be identical. We are supposed to do the things, fulfill the roles that Christ has given us, that God has ordained for us. And as we do that together, we can't do it alone. We do it together. And there we will see the fruit of God blessing that marriage. 
You see, marriage, as this passage says, is so vitally important because it reflects the nature of Christ and his bride, the church. And Christ and the church, when that's working properly, should be a witness to marriages. The problem is that we have self. That I say to myself, yeah, but I don't want to do all this. I don't like this responsibility. I don't want to do Or she's not meeting my needs. What about my needs? You ever said that? What about mine? It's my needs that are important. The Bible doesn't say that. You find me a passage where the Bible says your needs are important. It doesn't say that. Never. I think it sometimes. Right? She's not looking after me. She's not doing what I want her to do. And then I come back and I go, well, actually, that's not her. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to just continually be a channel of God's blessing into her life. Full stop. That's it. And if I do that, then it releases her to be a channel of God's blessing into my life. That's how marriage should work. Doing it in different ways, in different roles. Not me making all the decisions. How can, if, if every decision that I need to make needs to be for the best of her, how can I make that without talking to her about it? How can I do that without discussing it? Can't just sit down here and go, watching the football this afternoon is the best decision for my wife today. No, that's selfish. It's saying, you know, and we all fail. All of us. I hope you're all sitting here feeling really uncomfortable today. Because I'm really uncomfortable preaching this. But you know what? Marriage can be the most amazing, amazing thing. Because it is a picture, it, it resembles when it works with God's help, it resembles Christ and His church. It is the paramount place where the Spirit of God can work and flow. That's why it's so important and that's why it's here so often in the pages of Scripture. But we need help. If you're married, I'd encourage you to go and read this together. Talk about it together. Understand it together. And see how you can bring it to a deeper level in your relationship. If you're not married, you will know married people. Encourage them because marriage is tough. The enemy will want to attack and attack and attack marriages. Because if it can break marriages down, then it breaks down what we're talking about. It breaks down the visible uh, witness to Christ and his church here on earth. Encourage, do whatever you can to support. If, you, if you're a child and you've got parents, encourage them in their marriage. Help them to grow. And if you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, look at these criteria. See and discern from God whether they are the ones for you that can help accomplish, that can help bring about the tremendous opportunity for marriage in your own life. You know, we could keep on going and going. 
I saw this last week. Just a wonderful example of what we've been talking about. We're going to put on a little video. It's just a couple of minutes long. Which will show you, I think, somebody who's in love and somebody who respects their partner. Listen to this. Let me tell you, you're not the only ones. Michelle. Girl of the South Side. For the, fa- for the past 25 years, you have not only been my wife and mother of my children, you have been my best friend. You took on a role you didn't ask for. And you made it your own, with grace, and with grit, and with style, and good humor. a place that belongs to everybody. And a new generation sets its sights higher because it has you as a role model. So you have made me proud and you have made the country proud. Malia and Sasha, Under the strangest of circumstances, you have become two amazing young women. You are smart and you are beautiful, but more importantly, you are kind and you are thoughtful and you are full of passion. And you wore the burden of years in the spotlight so easily. Of all that I have done in my life, I am most proud to be your dad. Now there is someone who knows what it is to be a husband and a father in the most strangest of circumstances and yet knows what it is to pour love into others. And just as the Obama family have been a role model in the United States, so God wants you and me to be role models too 
in the communities where he's placed us. We need his help. We need his strength. And we need the support of encouragement of one another. And be the kind of husbands and wives and families that God desires us to be for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, not an easy word today. But I thank you. I thank you for every husband, every wife here. And Lord, there's so much more we could say because what happens if we're married to the husband who's not like that or the wife who's not like that? And it's so complicated and so hard. I thank you for grace because we mess up so much. You call us as a husband and a wife into a role where we are the primary channels of your grace, the primary channels of your spirit into another person's life, into the life of our partner. And that is an awesome responsibility to carry. But Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you that you choose to use me to bless my wife. And you use her to bless me. Lord, grow the marriages within this church, in this community stronger. May we be so strong. May we be encouraging of one another. May we be so united together that nothing of the enemy can pull us apart because the enemy is on a mission to destroy marriages. Lord, I ask that you would so fill your spirit in this house that there would not be a single marriage that would be less than what you want it to be. And Lord, for all of us, help us to submit to you and to submit to one another because of our love for you. To put one another above ourselves so that we may serve one another and show each other your example. Jesus, you took off your your cloak, and you washed their feet. You became nothing so that they may be encouraged to grow. May we do the same. In our marriages, in our homes, in our church, in the relationships that we have, all for your honor and your glory. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.